The Guiding Light on Route 66. Uh, my name is Jaime. I'm the host, and here we have Father Richard Vega, the pastor of St. Francis of Rome. Hey, Jaime. How are you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. Hey, before we start our questions, uh, I know you asked me when we first started the podcast about a little bit about me and what's going on and what do I do here and do I do anything here? But I, I think some of our listeners might want to also know who you are and what? what do you do here at the parish? I don't believe you. I do. I, I've already had requests from several people, several listeners. Like more than one? More than one. <laughs> so, Jaime, tell us a little bit about yourself, since everybody knows about me now. Um, well, I am the Director of Religious Education here at St. Francis of Rome, so I would be in charge of the Baptism, First Communion, and Confirmation programs, overseeing all three, but more directly touching with um, Baptism and First Communion right now. Um, what else do I do here? That's that's about. Do you work it. with the school? Oh yeah, I connect with the school, so I try to help out the school with their religious education program, connecting the school and the church a little bit more together for different events and for different um, parts. Oh, I need to check back with the school now. Now that I think about it, but yeah, I, I connect with the school, um, and I used to teach at the school for a little bit uh, before working as director of religious education just last year. So who do you work with besides the teachers here at the parish? Um, I work with the pastor sometimes. Sometimes oh. <laughs> he doesn't want to work with me. It depends. No, please and then, don't say that. And uh, then Jamie, who is our youth minister and confirmation coordinator, and Father Mark Martinez, who is associate pastor, and Father Rock, who is our uh, retired priest, priest yeah, emeritus. Retired. What are we? Retired. Retired, retired. priest. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and also coordinate with the music director to plan out liturgies and, and uh, make sure they are events that can fully involve the persons that attend them. Do you work with any of the deacons? Um, yes, I do. <laughs> they they are now no longer suppressed by, uh, thanks to the Second Vatican Council. And so they work within parishes and um, I work with them to help. Recently, it's just been kind of giving them baptism classes training. So they're going to provide, they usually do the baptisms on the first weekend and the third weekend of the month. So before that, on the Thursdays, they take the people, the godparents and the parents take a baptism class just to kind of prepare themselves for the responsibilities and the rites of baptism. And so we are doing a new format on it because it's all on Zoom, but also we're trying to make the process uniformed so that everyone teaches the same thing um, all together. So I will coordinate, you know, uh, sending out the information, the Zoom link, and now I'm helping. I assisted and kind of taught the deacons what we're going to go over, how they can go over it, and how to get their attention and, and involvement into the parish community. So as our catechetical leader, you're trying to get us to be intentional missionary disciples? So, something like that. Well, disciples is, is a better word. Just it's, disciples? Just disciples is good enough. Missionary, you know, I, I are guess you, are disciples you are naturally are, are missionary. Are you the catalyst that, that pushes this forward? I don't know what I am, but by God's grace, I am here. I am what I am. Well, I, I know that one of the things you and I were talking about for today is, you know, what nourishes a disciple? 
And, you know, the, the topic we came up for today would be prayer. And, and so one of the things we need to recognize that the disciple has to remain in contact with the mission. If a person loses sight of the mission, uh, their uh, works, their actions, even their words uh, no longer ring true. They, they, la they lack a certain authenticity. So one of the things I, I think that you had asked me to talk a, a little bit about today is about what is the nourishment for any disciple. And, and one of the places where I thought we'd start is um, the overall topic of prayer. Prayer. prayer, yeah. Prayer is that dialogue, that communication, that opening our hearts to God so that we might hear Him, and in turn, God would also listen to us. And, and do, I think that's very important, that it, do it does get that dialogue. Bible? Well, at very beginning, when God says, hey, Adam, Eve, where are you? That's prayer, because God is reaching out and speaking to them. We also see that in, in the scriptures where Noah reaches out to God and God calls Noah. So th there's always this uh, speaking and a response. Even in, in the book of, of Samuel, we recognize how Samuel hears the, Lord, the Lord's voice but doesn't recognize it. So he goes to uh, the, uh, the high priest and says, did you call me? He says, no, go back to bed. And then, you know, Samuel, Samuel wakes up again, no. And then it's when the high priest, I, I want to say his name was Eli. Yeah, Eli. Eli says, you know, if you wake up, just say, here I am, Lord. You know, I come to do your will. And so uh, all of a sudden, there's this dialogue. And so time and time again, whether it be through the prophets, through the judges, uh, through the patriarchs, uh, even through um, many of the, the women. So it's, it's men and women, because you have people like Judith, you have people like Esther, in the Old Testament, who are spoken to God, and in turn, they reach out to God in prayer, uh, whether it be lamentation, whether it be supplication, whether it be praise, uh, it's always to have that communication with God. Mm -hmm. And finally, we'd say it, Mary comes on the scene, and we recognize that the angel Gabriel speaks the words of God. And even Jesus we hear in the scriptures where Jesus would retire, go away by himself to commune with God, to, to, to speak to the Father. So we recognize that th that that is a key part of who we are. Mm. So prayer in, in, our, in our lives as disciples takes on various formats. The highest form of prayer, we would say, is the Mass. Because the Mass is the place where, as a community, we, we gather to hear God's Word proclaimed in the scriptures, in which we are challenged where we are um, enlightened, refreshed, where sometimes we're chastised. And then at the same time, it, we also are able to have those moments of quiet where God can speak to us in, uh. in the silence. I know that sometimes as, as uh, participants in the assembly, we sometimes think Father fell asleep after communion or it's taking too <laughs> long and sometimes people start coughing. But, but that is where God is speaking to us. Uh, I, I think we're so used to what I would call intercessory prayer, where, you know, God help me with my, my, my studies, God help mm -hmm. me with my children, God help me with my spouse, please take care of my friends, please take care of me, can I please pass this task, can I please get a job, that we really don't ever let God speak to us, but authentic prayer is that dialogue, and so we, we need to be very aware of that. Yeah. And then even after, so the mass isn't just like the priest work; it's not a theatrical thing. And no, 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 no. We have a it's bad a, it's priest interactive. Or, 
It's interactive. Interactive. Oh. Because the Lord is present in His Word. The Lord is present under the appearance of bread and wine, which are the sacred species. The priest is present in the assembly, and the priest is present, or, or God, Jesus is present also in the priest who celebrates. So if I were to go to Mass in a different language, I'd still be able to get something or be able to engage in Mass? Yes, absolutely. Because all those pieces are there. And, 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 and to, with today's technology, everybody has some form of finding the scriptures uh, either from the USCCB website, that's the, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops.org, or whether it be through um, uh, Magnificat or through uh, the Living Word Among Us. Mm -hmm. There's just so many options on where you can find scripture uh, available to us so that you know what the readings of the day are. Yeah. Uh, so, so prayer is our greatest form of prayer. So that's what the church offers for prayer. Oh, yeah. one of the per one what, of the things. What, what, one of them. What else does the church? The offer? church also offers us the liturgy of the hours. The liturgy of the hours, a lot of times, was thought to be either the priests or the religious people's prayers. So, priests and nuns, monks were, were always seen. But that's actually the prayer of the church. And again, we find it where our 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 Jewish ancestors would go to the temple at, at various times during the day. And so mm -hmm. we normally, depending right now, we do. Um, you can do office of readings. Mm -hmm. You could do morning prayer. You can do mid-morning, noon, or mid-afternoon prayer. And then there's evening prayer. And then there is uh, Compline or night prayer. Wow. So you'd be praying at almost all the hours of the right. day. You thus, could. liturgy of the hours. Yes, liturgy of the hours. So the whole idea is that you punctuate your day through prayer. Or as Paul says, so that we are praying unceasingly. Mm. And again, we, that comes from our Jewish brothers and sisters who would punctuate their day with prayer. And again, we're not the only ones. Uh, our um, Eastern brothers and sisters, some of our Muslim brothers and sisters, sometimes we think they're the only ones, you know, we'll, we'll hear the call to prayer mm -hmm. on the top of, of the minarets there at the mosque. And, and we need to recognize that we have that there also. As a resource. Uh, as a resource. What does it consist of? What What is... Uh, it usually has uh, some kind of opening. Uh, oh God, come to my assistance. Oh Lord, open my lips at the beginning of the day. Mm -hmm. uh, then there's Psalms. There's usually a scripture reading. There is a response to the reading. And then there's kind of what we would say either a uh, intercessory elements like petitions, uh, okay. the Our Father, and then a concluding prayer. So through the Liturgy of the Hours, you're immersing yourself in the prayer life of the church that the church, priests and yes. nuns and deacons no no it's for have, everybody but it's meant for everybody it's meant for everybody uh, but our first thought is only for clergy and only for those in consecrated life why would people think that well because it started off there uh, primarily the monks used to do it especially those that were cloistered and then when we started to having you know like the franciscans and and those kind of going out into the world, they needed to come up with something that you could carry around with you for mm -hmm. prayer. And so the, they kind of shortened it. It was 150 psalms and, and different pieces of that that would be prayed over the course of four weeks. And, and for those that were um, not able to read, that's where the rosary became very popular oh. because they then could do those prayers. Again, and that's where some of our devotional prayers begin. So the rosary... Uh, novenas, because it had a repetitive sense. So I would say the church has its liturgical prayer, uh, Mass, Liturgy of the Hours, uh, uh, Exposition of Blessed Sacrament outside of Mass. Um, what else do we have? Uh, 
What, what is that? Lexio Divina. Uh, well, exposition. Uh, exposition plus sacrament is where the church gathers and kind of acknowledging that sometimes we need a little pick-me-up uh, in order to remain faithful to God's uh, call for us as discipleship. Uh, we, we gather in the chapel. The Blessed Sacrament is exposed. There's usually a song that accompanies it, uh, the exposition. There's incense. Uh, there is scripture. There's a homily. There's intercessions. There is a, a lot of quiet. So it sounds like there's a whole ritual for yes exposition, which I guess I grew up with adoration, you know, calling it adoration, but right. its technical name is exposition of the Blessed, Blessed Sacrament. Sacrament. Yes. And benediction. Oh. And benediction, that's right. Mm -hmm. And so afterwards, again, there's a song that's sung, there's incensing of the Blessed Sacrament, there's the blessing of the people, there's uh, praise or a litany of praise, and then there's a closing song, and then we retire. So it's not just sticking Jesus out in the monster no, and saying, No, I must admit that some people would probably be upset with me, but I call, I call it ocular adoration. It, it, it's supposed to be a, a time of not just gazing upon the altar, but upon hearing what and speaking to God about where are we going, what, am I, what are you calling me to do, or just telling God, hey, this is a lot harder than I thought, these are some of the difficulties, but at the same time, having that pause of prayer. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit that sometimes we have mixed prayers. So I can remember as a child going to church on Wednesday and doing the novena with my mom and, uh, and doing the novena to um, Our Lady Perpetual Help with benediction and exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. Okay, so, so a you lot can of times tie we in those at, devotions together. Yeah, we, we, well, you can, but you have to be careful because sometimes you're mixing them, and neither of them is getting their proper due, and, and so that is important. And, and so again, the Rosary is another one where we uh, is a devotional prayer where we reflect upon the mysteries. So the joyful mysteries mm -hmm. talk about the Annunciation and the birth of Jesus and Jesus being lost in the temple. You know those kind of pieces. Then we moved on to the sorrowful mysteries which um, speak about, you know, Jesus uh, being uh, arrested in the garden and then finally being crucified and taken down and, and being placed in the tomb. Mm -hmm. Then there's the glorious mysteries with the resurrection, uh, the ascension, the coming of the Holy Spirit, uh, the assumption of Mary, and then crowning Mary as Queen of Heaven and Earth. So I've seen uh, some people kind of take the rosary to Mass and, and they're praying the rosary as Mass is going on. Is, is that... Uh, What's going on there? What, what, well, where does that, that idea come from? That's a leftover for when uh, I was a child. Uh, I, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but I actually used to go to Mass when Mass was in what today is called the extraordinary form. Mass was in Latin, and the priest's back was to the altar. In fact, I served under that liturgy. Uh, when I, After I made my first communion, I was an what, altar what server. Uh, in, in the 60s. <laughs> Early 60s, but that's when the Vatican II happened as well. No, Vatican II doesn't start implementing itself and all that kind to like about 68, 69. Uh, so, so no, after I made my first communion, because I made my first communion at Christmas time. And so, yeah, in oh, those days we made it at Christmas. Mm -hmm. And again, you have to remember, it wasn't an hour fast, it was till midnight. And then from midnight until you went to communion, you had to fast and abstain. What, why Why around Christmas? That was just the time? Or? That was when our parish celebrated it. Uh, yeah, it it mm -hmm. was just that. I think in the old days, it was easier to try and celebrate it around some feast or something you would remember. Mm -hmm. So for our for our class, when I was at my home parish, it was always around the Christmas season that we made First Communion. Ah. Okay, so these people that have rosaries and they're praying during Mass, you say that's a leftover from your 
growing up because mass was in Latin, and so people did, really didn't understand the Latin mass, and so many of them would go take their own devotional prayers. And again, we used to have the bells that would signify when it was time to kneel, when the Holy Spirit was being invoked for the epiclesis, when the were when the consecration of the the, uh, the bread, which is the body of Christ, then the cup, which was the blood of Christ, and then um, then it was rung again at the Agnus Dei, or the Lamb of God, in anticipation of coming to communion. And so, since you couldn't understand the words, and, and there wasn't the idea of uh, being clear and vocal, a lot of times, I remember my grandmother and uh, would pray the rosary or have her devotional book out, and I remember reading a lot during that time as I sat there, because for me, I was what, uh, six, seven, I, I was bored to tears because I didn't understand what was going on. It wasn't until I became an altar server that I figured out, but because people didn't have a grasp, you'd see people going around to the different statues in the church praying. You would go around and see people praying the rosary. While mass or, was going while, on. While mass was going on. Ah, okay. So there was the activity that was up in the sanctuary, and then there was the activity among the people of God. Mm -hmm. they were, the two were not related. Oh, that sounds chaotic. It, it was, but once the, the Second Vatican Council came around and we came to this other way, we all of a sudden were asked to become active participants. We were, we were to be conscious, active participants. And, 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 and participation can also be by silence mm -hmm. because God is asking, God is working, and at the same time, it allows us to, to speak to God from the depths of our heart. One of my biggest pet peeves in, in going to a Mass that just gets punctuated constantly by music or by you know the priest needing to speak, I guess, is the lack of silence. Yeah. Or at Congress, Congress masses, and they're and they just so full of music, and they're so loud. Or Youth Day, and it was just blaring music, and I, there was no silence. I was so annoyed, so annoyed. Yeah, there, there, there has to be a balance of all those things. There has to be a balance of activity. There needs to be a balance of uh, silence. There needs to be a, a balance of all the elements, even the ritual action. Mm -hmm. It needs to be done in a way that invites and invokes us to, to recognize God's presence among us. So the church offers mass. The church offers exposition of bliss, sacrament, and benediction, the rosary, liturgy, liturgy of the, the hours. hours. What else does a church, mother church well, we offer? We also have Lexio Divina, which Lexio is more of a, pri a private, which is what they call a divine reading. Okay. So sometimes people can look at the scriptures and to say, is there a phrase or a word in here that calls my attention? And uh, why does that word cause my catch my attention? And what does it mean to me? Why did that word reach out to me? And then to kind of say, so what's the action I'm going to take as a result of that word speaking to me? Mm -hmm. And it, that's the way that God that God is inviting me. The the other thing too, along with lexio, is just biblical reading or spiritual reading. Sometimes uh, I know some people say, well, would you recommend one of the books of the Bible? I would sometimes recommend that people read either the Acts of the Apostles or um, Mark's Gospel, mm -hmm. uh, because it's a good place to kind of begin reading and thinking about, you know, what is God saying? What is God doing? How is God working among, uh, how is the resurrected Lord working among the early Christian community as they grapple with faith, as they try to proclaim what it means to be a follower of Jesus? So I, I think those are, are good places. Uh, so Lexio, biblical reading, uh, sometimes there's spiritual reading. Or you what might take a book. Uh, the one I remember as a child when I was at the seminary was The Diary of a Country Priest, 
where I, I read about what a priest did, at, at, you know, during his day, and uh, the story of a, the story of a soul by uh, Saint Teresa of Lisieux, huh? um, you know, to hear her story and her journey with God. So mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 it's taking something that that somebody has written and just kind of reading it and reflecting, say, you know, how how do I fit into this, or what is what was you know God doing in uh, Saint Teresa's life, or what was God doing in this uh, priest's life. And then say, is God? What is God asking of me? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is is contemplation. Contemplation. Uh, yeah, where we we sit in prayer. Uh, it, it's really from our Eastern brothers and sisters, where it, it's it's really quieting ourselves down. Um, and I right now, for the lack of me, I cannot think. There, there's two phrases where you you breathe in, Lord Jesus, have pity on me, a sinner. Uh, the Lord, no. No, I can't it's remember like, right now. Yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. And, and so it, it just really calms you down, and it really helps you to be open to listening. Uh, part part of our, our our call as disciples is to listen to what what is the instruction of the master. How can we bring the master's words if we don't know them? So for me, a biblical reading is important as well as uh, as spiritual reading. And just that calming, quiet presence. I know that before we started, you, you asked me if I, if I, as a priest, have a particular prayer life. There, yeah, yeah. What what is it that priests pray? Well, I, well, every day I, I try to pray the um, the liturgy of the hours okay. uh, in our house uh, at the rectory. We try to gather for morning prayer, and then everybody kind of the rest of the day is is kind of spent individually. During the summer, we try to get together for night prayer. And that lasted a while, especially during the pandemic when the schedule was stay in the house and be safe for home. So we try to do some of those things. We would try to do night prayer together. Mm-hmm. But, you know, our schedules are so very different. And so we each have to find our moment to try to do the office of readings or to try and do either a morning, midday or mid-afternoon prayer. Are priests like uh, deacons or or and religious life, are they mandated to pray the prayer liturgy of the hours? Yes, uh, we are asked at the time of our ordination to commit ourselves to th- to that style of prayer, to pray in the liturgy of the hours. Why? Well, to keep that nourishment alive, to to bring to God the concerns of his faithful, mm-hmm. just to have that that touch moment when, when we speak to God. So that's, that's why. So when a priest says he'll pray for you, he means... I'll do a liturgy of hours for you, or I'll include you in liturgy no, I, of hours. I, I include you in my prayers. Mm-hmm. Like after communion, I'll, I'll remember some of the people who I, who I need to pray for. Maybe they seem lost or bewildered, or uh, or you have said. So at mass, you also have your own intention. Uh, yeah, right after. Well, yes. I mean, like for example, after after uh, communion, we, we try to have a, a moment of pause and. I pray for all the people who are there, or sometimes we'll pray for the Mass intention uh, for whom the Mass is being offered that was said at the time of the prayer of the faithful. Mm-hmm. But it is a moment just to, even to ask God about what's going on. Sometimes I, I need enlightenment, sometimes I need clarity on something, or sometimes I, I, I need further discernment on pieces. So I, I talk to God at those points. But again, it's not a huge long all prayer, it's just something very quick, because I would say, especially right now when we're televising masses, I think I don't know that we go beyond three minutes of just quiet time after communion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we try to do that. Okay, but um, but every priest, every every person in consecrated life is asked to spend some time in prayer. And for some of us, they're formulary prayers, things like formulary prayers. Yeah, things that we learn from a book. 
uh, formulas. So like I remember there's the, the prayer called the Lacordier prayer that I learned as when I was a, a seminarian and I Lacordier. said Lacordier. What does that mean? No, that was the guy's name. Oh, okay. So the guy's so, name yeah. became the prayer itself. Yeah. And How so, does a prayer go? Uh, to live in the midst of the world without wishing us pleasures, to be a member of each family, it belonged to none, to penetrate all secrets, to heal all wounds, to go for men to God and offer near their prayers, to return from God to men, to bring pardon hope, to have a heart of fire for charity, a heart of bronze for chastity, to teach and pardon, console and bless always. My God, what a life, and it is yours, O priest of Jesus Christ. Wow. So yeah, I learned that the four years I was in the in the high school seminary, we said that every day. We also did the prayer of consecration, the, of consecration. the acts of faith, hope, and charity. So uh, prior to the liturgy of the hours, we all used to have our formulary prayers. Okay. And, and so I remember my first day in the seminary, I got my little brown book. It said Archdiocese of Los Angeles, Queen of Angels Seminary, and so every morning we would have prayers at the beginning of the day. Mm -hmm. We would have prayers at midday after Mass, and then we would have prayers uh, after evening prayer after we prayed the Rosary. So Mass, Liturgy of the Hours is is something that priests pray. What else do priests pray? Oh, the Rosary. The Rosary. Yeah, the Rosary. Some uh, a priest sometimes will try to have time for prayer. Is it mandated or is no, it? No, no, that's no, an option. Everybody has to find their own their own uh, peace that nourishes and strengthens them. Some like to spend more time in preparation for their homilies, mm -hmm. so they'll dedicate more time to scripture oh, okay. and to exegesis, you know, trying to figure out what, what is God saying and how do we apply this to people's lives. Uh, some priests like to do a holy hour. Uh, What's that consist of? Well, usually it's just coming before the Blessed Sacrament um, in the tabernacle and just having quiet prayer. So it's a combination of contemplation, uh, you know, that dialogue with God, but also the listening component. So it's just spending time with your with the Lord in quiet. Oh, all right. All you right. Know, and it's something that was kind of is kind of trained and ingrained since you enter the seminary. Um, what else does a our priest supposed to do to kind of assist their spiritual life? Since that's the means of um, their we, we try to well life. We we used to be able to try and get away once a month for a uh, kind of a day of recollection, a time to reorient. Uh, you're encouraged to have a spiritual director, and so you see that person anywhere between every four to six weeks. What's and a just, spiritual director supposed to do? Uh, you, you kind of share with, with your spiritual director what God is doing for you or how you see God working your life. And sometimes this director will challenge you on why you see that or help you see signs that maybe God is inviting you to do something else. Mm -hmm. They don't tell you how to live your life, and it's not therapy. It, it, it's basically a sharing and maybe just learning to make sure you're reading the the signs correctly, or that you didn't miss one of the signs on the road of life. So, are, are priests and religious the only ones with spiritual directors, or can anyone? Get oh, a spiritual? anybody can get that as a and spiritual life. How how do they get a spiritual director? Or how do you go about doing that? Um, I would say normally you would uh, men and women, uh, priests and religious uh, priests and members of consecrated life. Uh, some have been trained in uh, spiritual direction. But it's it's a matter of of someone who you feel comfortable with that you talk a little bit about your journey with God, and again, it's not therapy. It is learning how God is speaking and acting in your life, and being open to being challenged, being open to read the signs, mm -hmm. to recognize uh, God's presence in your life, and are you responding to that presence? So on Sunday after Mass, anybody can go up to a priest or a deacon or or another person there. But mainly a priest, let's say, let's say you or or Father Mark, and can ask them, "Will you be my spiritual director?" Actually, no. Uh, it would be best to have that conversation on the phone right now, 
and, and to talk about why you're looking for a spiritual director uh-huh. and what it is that you hope and why you're asking that particular priest to be your spiritual director. There's a charge or is there... Uh, no, uh, for priests in the diocese, I would say no, but I would say that some spiritual directors do charge. I have heard that, although I'm not really quite sure how or why, but I, I have heard that there are some people who do charge for spiritual direction. Oh, well. And then, uh, so the priests pray liturgy of the hours, mass, they might make a holy hour, they might pray the rosary, depending on their devotion, low life, Lexio Divina, to prepare for homilies, maybe. Um, spiritual direction, day of recollection, and retreats and retreats okay yeah so you so. do you can do a personal retreat you know monthly but all priests are required to do a retreat once a year so do the retreats with like confirmation teens that happen no. once a year count for them no no it doesn't no. It has to be your own alone alone How or long? you can do a group you can do a group i i know our house of prayer in la in the los Feliz area offers retreats for priests and so you can go with others uh sometimes people are in prayer groups and you remember Father John Vogel, who was uh, assigned here and yeah. last year died. He was on uh, his annual retreat with his prayer group when, when he died at our house of prayer. Oh. And so luckily they were able to assist him and attend to him in his mm-hmm. moment of need. But they were on retreat together. Oh, okay. So, you know, so it, it depends. Uh, I used to be in a prayer group. And so we used to go every year. And, but since I returned from Chicago and I've been back here at the parish, I usually go by myself and I usually try to find a director who will uh, kind of guide me and assist me. And we usually kind of come up with a theme or a book that we want to work on. So last year, I read a couple of Pope Francis's letters to the clergy as uh, the basis of our, our, our uh, conversation and our talk. Oh, okay. So... To kind of recap, we, we talked about the church and what the church offers for prayer in sense of mass, adoration, uh, well, exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, sorry, it's just been indoctrinated in me. Exposition yes. of the Blessed Sacrament and benediction, um, the rosary, liturgy of the hours, and, and these are all- Spiritual reading. Spiritual reading, and these are things that the priests also participate right. in as well. So there's no like higher prayer or- No, no. well the mass is our, we would say is our highest form of prayer, but you know, prayer is that just constant communication with God. Uh, Nice. And it's for the laity as well as for the, the clergy. And what and does and, and what does St. Francis of Rome offer for prayer itself, or if somebody wanted to find a prayer group or a Bible study? or Well, right now, uh, we're, everyone's trying to figure out how to do the Zoom meetings and invite people in and stuff like that. So, for example, uh, we do have uh, the Legion that prays the rosary. Like uh, in the past, we used to have rosary after Mass mm-hmm. uh, there in the church. Uh, we used to have First Friday devotions. Uh, every first Friday, the Blessed Sacrament is exposed. People could come in for choir prayer. I think one of the, the, the tensions is that some groups want to come in and do private prayer. And there's other people that want to come in with a group and do kind of a collective prayer, whether it be the rosary, whether it be divine mercy prayer, the chaplet of divine mercy. Yeah. And so that's always a, a tension, especially when you have first Friday devotions. Um, so uh, there are, uh, Father Rock does run a, a Bible study. Uh, mm-hmm. Although I, I think temporarily it's been canceled because not everybody has capability to Zoom. Yeah. Uh, there's the Axe community, uh, both for men and women. Um, we used to have a uh, a group, uh, both English and Spanish, for the Legion of Mary. Yeah. And I'm trying to think right now, since everything's paused, it's like, what the heck? So uh, if somebody wanted to start something new, like a Bible study or a... What, what would they need to do to 
Well, but it, w- it would be like new. try and have a contact, you know, say the six of us or the four of us have thought about doing this and we want to get together and, and then, you know, we'd meet by Zoom or what. Because right now we're not allowed to have any, no in-person meetings. Mm-hmm. And so we have to, we're trying to figure all that out. And so now that we're going into seven months, we're trying to, of a safer at home mandate, we're trying to figure out how to do this. And we're going to have to figure out how to continue doing this. Because as Dr. Fauci and uh, Fauci and Dr. Bricks have said, as we move into the winter months, there is going to be a tendency to stay in, and that becomes a breeding area for uh, influenza yeah. as well as for the coronavirus. So we, we are trying to figure out how to recommend people meet without being in close quarters with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes so, sense. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting. I, I know people, the rosary doesn't have to be done as a group. It can be done privately. Spiritual reading can be done privately. Really, the big ones would be acts. And if, if you want to do prayer, uh, Bible study, it would be uh, as a group. But uh, I know uh, acts, both the men and the women are doing it by Zoom. And retreats, there are none right now. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that used to be one of those things that we would highly encourage people. So it, it's a matter of just starting to test the waters again uh, to maintain, maintain social distancing, but at least continue to nourish and strengthen one another prayer. Good, good. All right. So the church has all that to offer at St. Francis of Rome here. Also, we also have First Friday's Exposition right. of Blessed Sacrament, and, and we have it all day from the 8 o'clock Mass. All following the 8 o'clock following, Mass. Yeah, following the, the, the end of the class. Mass. We don't allow anybody inside. And then... It finishes with 7 p.m. benediction, right? Correct. And then um, we also are going to offer anointing the sick or... Yeah, I, 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 although I just found out that we may have a conflict, so I have to look at that date again. Ah, uh, So okay. I, I was just reviewing the calendar today because I was looking at all those things and I got caught by a surprise. Uh, so I need okay. to kind of re-examine that. But we'll be announcing that shortly. All right. And then we also offer outdoor mass during the weekend. Uh, so you just have to bring your chair and bring a mask and you can go ahead and participate in that highest form of prayer in which we have communion with God. Um, also on November 2nd, which is All Souls Day, uh, we will have a special service, at a special mass at 7 p.m. outdoors to kind of commemorate uh, all those who have passed away, all those who have... Um, all our loved ones who have died. All our loved ones who have died, yes. Uh, and, so, and it'll be a bilingual service. It'll be a bilingual service. If you want, you can go ahead and bring a picture of your uh, loved one. We ask that you bring a copy in to the parish offices. A four by six. Four by six. Uh, or And make sure that it's a copy because you most likely won't get it back. We're laminating them and posting them. Well, especially them up, right? because we, we want to maintain it outside. Yeah. So yeah. the service will be outside so that we can have as many people po- uh, present and to be able, unfortunately, during the pandemic, we have not been able to properly celebrate uh, the death of our brothers and sisters. And so we want to try and do it on the Feast of All Souls Day. So that's something to look forward to. Um, and religious education, of course, still has its registrations open for about a little bit longer. We start the first week of November. And so once we start, we we stop the registrations. And from there, uh, anything that you need, you can always access the parish website at sfrchurch.org or send a message to Father Richard or myself uh, through email because <laughs> there's access to emails. It's Jay Munoz at sfrchurch.org. <laughs> or fatherfr.richard at sfrchurch.org. Or you can always just catch Father Richard at the 11 o'clock or 1 o'clock Mass on Sunday. Uh, and Mr. Munoz is there on Saturday and Sunday mornings. Depends. <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning in, and we hope to see you next week or here. We don't hear them either. We hope that you log on next week. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot, Jaime. Thank you, Father. 
This episode of The Guiding Light on Route 66 was recorded in Azusa, California and produced by SFR Media Productions. Music for the intro and outro was used with permission from Epidemic Sound. For music like this and more, please visit epidemicsound.com. For more information about this podcast, please visit www.sfrchurch.org.